In 2 Peter chapter 3 is where we are this morning. And I'll pray and God will bless our time in his word. We're going to finish off 2 Peter. After that, what are we going to do? We're going to do 1 John. Amazing, you're saying. Incredible. Um, I will say about this, uh, 1 John is, is life-altering. Well, I think that about all scripture. 1 John is my favorite. You say, you always say that. Yeah. I don't know. It's so, but I mean, it, it, it's, and First uh, John, I will tell you this, it's five chapters, we're going to be there, done in five weeks, 10 to 15 weeks, I'm thinking, just, just, just thinking, it, it's, there's a lot there, and you can't, it's not one of those books you can rush through, it just, it just isn't, and then second, uh, John will take one week, third John will take one week, then Jude probably take two weeks, and we're in Revelation. That's my plan. Will we get Revelation in before the events of Revelation start to unfold? Stay tuned. Uh, uh, I never thought I'd get around to Revelation again. Last time I taught it, I thought, this is the, the, the last time I'm going to teach through the book of Revelation. So here, it's going to be a photo finish with the actual. We'll see how it plays out. It's all I can say. Um, you say, are you setting dates? I, I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I got saved in 1980. In 1980, I didn't think there'd ever be 1990 or a turn of the century. So my thinking is we're living on borrowed time, but we'll address that here in Second uh, Peter chapter 3 this morning. So uh, let's turn our attention to the, uh, the Word of God, and let's pray. Our Father and our God, as we look into this wondrous book, short, but a lot, of, lot here, uh, we pray a blessing on this uh, for our understanding. Um, Lord, I, at the end of this, I want to have a, a firmer grasp of where you are in all this. And what I mean is, you know, we put our attention on so many other things. Here we're in vacation land, and our hearts are turned towards uh, vacationing. You know, I've never been one to be critical of people taking time off. I mean, God bless them, you know, hardworking and I think we can all say that of this church, Lord. We're, you know, we're workers. We're not afraid of getting our hands dirty. Um, um, and so people would, would take time off, and I'll always be about that. But, Lord, I, I also think that we need to be diligent. We need to, well, let, let, just let your word speak for itself. And I don't want to be browbeating people. I want to be gracious. I want to reflect a gracious God. But, Lord, I pray that at the end of this uh, would would have things in proper perspective. Pray, uh, blessed to that end, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I usually don't ask God how to bless, but I feel strongly about this. Uh, this is we don't we we as a, a church do we have this right? You don't want to be judgmental. We as a society certainly don't. Uh, Christian, when you look at Christendom in the big umbrella, I say Christendom, all that name, the name of Christ. Do we have this right? Not here in America, not now, not even in the days of COVID. I, I just, so let's just jump right in. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both, which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of the apostles of our Lord, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts. I wish I could illustrate this. He starts by saying, I want to remind you, remember in, in the beginning of the book, he did the same thing. And I, I, I talked about that, how he says, as long as I'm in this earthly tabernacle, this earthly tent, I, I, I think I do well to remind you. And I, I made much of that then. Uh, I've been called Captain Redundant. You know, I, I'm fine. I wear that proudly. 
I want to remind you, and I want to keep remind you, and I want to keep remind you, and I want to keep remind you. Why? Because you're probably like me. You forget things. There are things I used to know. There are things I used to practice that kind of fall by the wayside, and I have to keep on remember, and I have to keep on being reminded. And I think you're the same way. And he's saying the same thing here. Well, what are we? What are you calling to mind? What are we supposed to be mindful of in verse 2? These words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of the apostles uh, of the Lord and Savior. What? What is it? What it well, it's verse 3. Knowing this first. Uh, priority, okay? First. First up, let's focus on this. That there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust. People who laugh at the Bible. Now, there's so many of them. I need. I, I joked. Uh, I wish I could come up with a, an example of this. Well, you know, example after example after example after example. You you talk to your friends. You talk to your family. <laughs> You're not such a rube. You believe that book. That's an old book. I mean, it's been around for a long time. I don't ever think of the Bible as an old book. I think of it as timeless. I think it reads like tomorrow's newspaper. Uh, and again, I can draw upon you know events of the past few weeks, months, days, and show you that you know, Scripture knows what it's talking about. It's the Word of God. And God said at the end it would be like this. Well, one of the things he said about the end, it was going to be people, scoffers. Scoffers scoff. Scoffers got to scoff. That's what they are. Haters got to hate. Scoffers got to scoff. Why? Because they're walking after their own lust. Now, this is why I don't want to talk about this, but this is what it always is. The big debate, the big argument is against God as creator. And he's going to say, they're really wrong about that. Why is the argument against God as creator? Because if he's created us, we owe him. If God's created, like if God invented marriage, wouldn't God have something to say about marriage? Well, he did and he does. And our little supremes thinking they're going to redefine marriage, they're going to stand before the judge and they're going to give an account of that. And I would say, if they voted wrong, the majority did, they got some, they're going to be, they got some splaining to do. I don't say that with joy. I mean, I don't. Uh, but that's the whole argument is about, there's no God. Why? It always comes down to this. When I say always, I mean just 98% of the time. I get to sleep with who I want to sleep with, and nobody's telling me different. And it's always that. I'm going to leave it at that because this is the adult. It's usually adult uh, service, right? Our kids are safely learning kid type things. So I, you know, have to be a little bit more discreet than I normally am. But that's what it always comes down to. You say, oh, I'm, you know, I'm down. I wonder if there's, a, I'm having problems. I, I don't know if this, that's, Look past all that. Okay, what extramarital thing do you want to involve yourself with? Who do you want to have an affair with? Who do you want to, do you want to jump sides of which? And that's always what it comes down to. And it always is. And I've seen that so so many times. Do people have a real doubt in their heart of heart? Some do. I talk to people after the conversion, when you can talk to them, when they're normal, when they're not, you know, crazy and spewing. And I'll, and I'll say to them things like, what caused you? What, before, did you know? That, yeah, I always knew in the back of my mind. I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to, because I was living a lifestyle that was contrary to God. That's what they always tell me after the fact. 
Yeah, I always knew. That was just a smokescreen. And I believe it. I believe it. So much so that when people are throwing up the smokescreen now, I'm thinking like, "Mm." it's all about, I don't want somebody else to tell me what I can and can't do. They're walking after their own lust. Scripture says that. They're scoffers in the last days. Why? Because they're walking after their own lust, their own desires. Now, desire can mean lust in the sense that we think about tradition. Just, I want to do what I want to do. It usually has to do with, you know, as I was saying earlier, but it doesn't always have to do with that. But the vast majority of times, guess what? It does have to do with that. They're saying, and here's here's their thing. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Have you ever heard that? Well, yeah, we hear that all the time. Almost verbatim. But basically it's like this. Yeah, you're telling about Jesus come back. You're always talking about Jesus come back. You're always talking about Jesus come back. Well, where is he? Well, I'd like to know. I, I, I don't think he's late. He's right on time. I wish... His calendar and my calendar, where he doesn't, he doesn't move by. How many of you guys know that about God? He doesn't move by our calendar. He doesn't. He just won't. We hand him a script. We tell him to recite the lines. He does not. You know, he, he just, he colors outside the lines. He's God. He does whatever God wants to do. But it's always good. And he's our loving Heavenly Father. It's frustrating sometimes. In the grand scheme of things, it's generally not. Uh, we don't understand why he does what he does, but we understand this. He's good, and he's gracious, and just some things are beyond our understanding. And then, you know, having said that, it's a fallen world where, where people die, where bad things happen, where people make really bad choices. Why do they make really bad choices? Well, they're scoffers. They, they walk according to their own lust. And they think that because, look at verse 9, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. Some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering. Well, we'll get there. There's a reason why he hasn't dropped the hammer yet. Uh, And that, by the way, is the principle in verse 4 of uniformitarianism. It's always been that way for the billions of years. It's always same, same, same. They... Uh, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Interesting, though, the word creation is there. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in water, whereby the word world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Um. Just skip down to verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And I'm not going to skip verses, okay? Don't get nerved up about that. You know better than that. But I just want to show you, they're wrong about three things. The past, the present, and the future. Other than that, they got it entirely right. But they're wrong about those three things, okay? They're wrong about the past, they're wrong about the present, they're wrong about the future. That's kind of a, a, a problem, right? scoffers. They don't have to be right. They just have to be loud and obnoxious and arrogant. Um, But they're willingly ignorant. Now, I've heard one person say, that means dumb on purpose. And I I used to quote that. I used to like that because it's like... But I got thinking about that. That's not what it's saying. Um, Because we talk to people and they're not dumb. 
As a matter of fact, they can be very, very bright and very articulate. And if they're in the form of a college professor, especially one who's terrorizing you by he's, he's the lord of your grades and you want to do good in this, so you get your degree and your diploma and stuff like this. It's, it, he's, not a, he's not a doofus. He's not a knuckle-dragging troglodyte. He's very articulate and, he, and he's honed his craft to a, a fine edge and he can make you look very foolish. They're not ignorant in the sense of like clueless, but they have a problem. Ignorant. Ignorance. They're not thinking about these things. And so I talked to the person who's recently converted. I say, you know, what's the deal? I, I didn't think about it. I just, I changed my thinking so I didn't have to look at that. I, know, I, I didn't want, it was very uncomfortable for me to think about eternity. So I ignored it. Were they stupid? No, they were ignoring. And that's the thing that we're running into now. They are, they are purposefully, they're ignoring, they're, they're ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. What's he talking about? He's talking about creation. He's talking about right at the very beginning. God formed the earth and the earth was standing out of water and in water. So he's, he's making, and I don't want to go back to there and recapture all that because I think all he's doing is kind of a drive-by they're, they're ignoring God's creation. Okay? Remember he separated the waters from the waters? They're ignoring that. And then they're ignoring whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. They ignore the fact that God is a righteous judge. One day he scrubbed the whole planet and said, I've had it. I've had a belly full. You guys are violent. You're obnoxiously wrong about everything. You're, you're, you've turned against me. You've turned against one another. And then it was probably also a gene pool problem. I told you, we refer to that, the angels who kept not their first estate. So there was a lot of things coming again. God said, okay, and he pressed the reset button in the form of a flood. People ignore that. There is more evidence of a worldwide deluge than anything probably that you could... Fossils. People don't... You don't make fossils today. Things die and they're scavenged. Uh, I guess in a flood you could. You know, fossils were the actual... It, it, it's not just an impression in mud. It's where the actual organic matter has been replaced by stone. By, and that doesn't happen today in a worldwide flood with all the pressures and the moving vast amounts of water and materials that could happen how do you get like clams and other mollusks at the top of mount everest and well if you know a five mile high mountains a long way from the beach clams aren't known for their their climbing ability <laughs> What's that all about? How, how does that work? Well, people are ignorant of that. The, the, the waters were above the tallest hills, the tallest mountains, the scripture tells us. As a matter of fact, mountain ranges probably formed at that time. We're talking about massive amount of water and things like... we. There were forces that we probably can't even imagine. Uh, I love, uh, you know, I watch the Genesis channel. Much of it's on that. You guys watch that? Any of you guys watch the Genesis channel on Roku? Boy, you know, you can get it on YouTube. Not the channel itself probably, but like a lot of things that they broadcast on that. And if you haven't, if you're struggling with, you know, creation and evolution stuff, 
There are people who, I mean, they are well-spoken. They're intelligent. They can break evolution in a way that nobody could ever put it back together again. And it's settled in my mind once and for all. I don't really struggle with, you know, if my great-great-grandfather was a chimpanzee. And I do not. My great-great-great-great-many-great-grandfather was Adam. And after that, Noah. And we all came off the boat together with Noah. I don't know if you know that or not. So it's, it's, it, it's easy for me to remember that, that God is a, he's a righteous judge. But they're willingly ignorant of this. They ignore this, so they scoff. The world in that, that, that then was being overflowed with water perished. How many? Some people say as high as 20 billion. I told you last week, God can judge on the individual basis. He can judge by group. It doesn't, it's all the same to him. But the heavens of the earth, which now are, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. It's not going to be a, a flood next time. It's going to be fire. It says so here, and it says so in other places in Scripture. The rainbow, I hate the fact that it was co-opted by a group that's not very godly all the time as a symbol. It's a symbol that God put in uh, put in place to say, I'm never going to judge the world by a, a worldwide flood again. Every time we see it, we get a little warm fuzzy. And people have co-opted. I think that's horrible. Uh, but but where's the promise that's coming? You're ignoring the fact that the heavens and the earth, which are now, I said they were wrong about the past. They're wrong about the now. The heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, the word that God spoke into existence. He spoke and the waters were, you know, and they, he separated the waters from the water. How did that happen? He spoke it into existence. It's by his word these things happen. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved under fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. He's judged in the past. He'll judge in the future. That's what the scripture says. And they're wrong about the now. They're wrong about the future. And you say, well, how come it hasn't happened yet? He's going to address that, verse 8. But beloved, be, don't be ignorant of this one thing. One day is with the Lord is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. And I know there's a lot of teaching here, you know, six days of creation and the, the day of, you know, rest. And the six, there's going to be 6,000 years because the day is, is a thousand years, and a thousand years is a day. And that, you know, seventh day of rest is equivalent to the millennial kingdom. And I, I think I kind of subscribe to that. I, I, I'm not. I'm not so dyed in the wool. I think he's saying here, time doesn't work the same. I think we at least agree on that for sure. Okay. So the idea is like we're saying, Lord, when are you come back? He's on the God a couple days. I mean, if you think about it, and he's like, I get it, and that's kind of interesting, you know, if you think about like resurrection on the third day. But I'm not. Again, I'm not setting any dates. But I want you to understand something. Lord's not slack concerning his promise. I'm coming back. He said that, right? I'm going. I'll, I'll, I'm coming back. I'll, 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 I'll take you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. I wouldn't tell you that if it wasn't true. Lord's, the Lord's not slack concerning this. Then where is he? Because any time would be fine with me. You know, you don't know what I'm up against here with all the things that are happening in my life. Anytime you're ready, Lord, I'm way ready. He's not slack concerning his promise as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm glad he waited to 1980. 
the kids are saying 1980 grams. That was like like a would you get saved like you and your dinosaur both package deal or something? That was like okay, I'm old. In 1980, February 14th, it was it was Valentine's Day. I got saved. I asked the Lord in my heart. Now, if He showed up before then and rescued the world and took His church out, I'd be on the outside looking in. I'd be forever damned. Isn't He gracious? Well, he's still gracious. He's still not willing that he should perish. By the way, did you did you hear um, Calvinism just go crash? Did you hear it? He's not willing that any should perish. Because people always talk about, you know what the problem is, is God is sovereign. We all, how many of you guys think God is sovereign? Because I kind of do too. Calvinism doesn't have that sewed up. Yeah, he's, he's sovereign, but he doesn't always get his way. You know, uh, I think of a, like a, a, a true sovereign like the Tsar of Russia. You couldn't get divorced without him okaying it. You couldn't change your name without the Tsar okaying it. Uh, you, you, so did people divorce? He was like absolute sovereign. Well, people just left their wife and went and lived with somebody else with or without the czar's approval. Because sovereign doesn't mean you always get your way. You say, well, it does with God. He's not willing that any should perish. Means this. He's not willing that any should perish. You say, but Adam, the majority of people perish. Jesus says it's a broad way that goes to damnation that leads to destruction. And there's a, there's a narrow way uh, with a narrow gate that leads to everlasting life. And few there be that find it. The majority of people go to hell. According to Jesus, what is that all about? God doesn't get his way. He's not willing that any should perish. But here, the reason that he hasn't come back and lowered the hammer yet is because he's patient. It's his long-suffering. We'd hear patient. He's not willing to say, like, you know, when God, uh, there's, a, there's a scene in heaven where he goes into the tabernacle and nobody can approach him, the silence in heaven for about a half hour. That's before, like, it really starts getting glum. What's, what's happening? I think he's in all by himself, and I think he's brooding. Guys, I, I warned you, and I warned you, and I warned you, and I warned you that this was going to happen. It's like, you know, if you're a really loving parent, you, do you like to spank your kids? I hope you do discipline them, okay? Uh, if you don't, they're, they're, they're parole officer will, okay? It, somebody's going to tell them as, at, at some point. I hope you discipline them, because that's they, you have to, right? Do you like to? Do you like to? We, we spank. We did. Susan was the wooden spoon girl. She didn't want to hurt her hand. She'd be chasing them boys around, terrorizing them with the wooden spoon. Um, good. Good. He's a very respectful young man. He's, a, he's good. He loves his mom. He doesn't hate her. He doesn't get any scars. It's all good. Okay, You can talk to him. He'll mummy dearest expose. He'll just tell you how horrible it was and what a horrible set of parents we were. Did you really enjoy that? No, of course we didn't. You know, we'd give him a spang and say, this is going to hurt me more than hurt you. We didn't have to give them the speech, but doesn't it tell you hard out to have to lower the boom on them because that's what they need? I think God, our loving Heavenly Father, He's not like, oh great, I love to wipe you guys out. He's not willing that any should perish. He's not. Why is this not taught or read in Calvinist circles or something like that? I don't say. He's like, you know, I choose to love you and save you and I choose, you forget about it. You, you didn't make the grade. You didn't make the cut. He's not willing that any should perish. And this is why he hasn't come back yet. This is why he's, he's, his hand is stretched out all day long in mercy. And, and he's calling people to repentance. And it's not going to be forever. 
He's not slack concerning his promises, some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering toward usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. So these ones here, these scoffers, are wrong about the past, they're wrong about the present, and they're wrong about the future. And I want to talk about the day of the Lord. I looked up some verses before, and I put them on my notepad. Isaiah 13, verse 6. Howl ye, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It shall come as a destruction from the Almighty. Therefore shall all hands be faint, and every man's heart shall melt, and they shall be afraid. Pangs and sorrow shall take hold of them. They shall be in pain as a woman that travaileth. They shall be amazed one at another. Their faces shall be as flames. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay that land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. Adam, that doesn't sound very pleasant. That's the correct interpretation. It's not a good day. Uh, the day of the Lord is a day of judgment. Here in Joel, by the way, the whole book of Joel is about the day of the Lord. Uh, woe because of that day, for the day of the Lord is near and will come as devastation from the Almighty. Again in Joel, the sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord comes. Amos chapter 5. I just got a sampling of these. I can go on for a long time. The scripture in the Old Testament says a lot, lot, lot. This whole chapter, this whole book's devoted to this subject. In the New Testament, it's only said four times. Here in Second Peter, one of those times. But so in the New Testament, we don't get a great idea, but in the Old Testament, if you read what the day of the Lord is and the day of the Lord, it's always very, well, in Amos chapter 5, verse 18, Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. To what end is it for you? The day of the Lord is darkness and not light, as if a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and a serpent bit him. Shall not the day of the Lord be darkness and not light, even very dark darkness and no uh, brightness, uh, no brightness in it? So uh, imagine that. So you run away from a lion and you come face to face with a bear. Finally, you get away from the bear and you in your house and like <sighs> lean on the wall and, and you get snake bit. That's the day of the Lord. And you're thinking, come on, bring it. And that's such a bad idea. And there's so many Christians think that we're going through the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord is the seven-year tribulation period, the time of Jacob's trouble. And a lot of people think that we're going to be in it. And I always talk about, it's like, it's like Christian, it's like Protestant purgatory. Like we got to pay for, and when you talk to them people, sometimes they don't have a, a sometimes they don't have a great idea of grace. If you're talking about grace, they don't understand grace either. They think there's like, you know, payment involved and mixed up with the it's all grace. It's all God being good to us because he loves us. And you got to remember, Jesus Christ is our bridegroom. He's coming for his bride. I wouldn't want to marry somebody who beat me up before the honeymoon. Just all things being equal, you know what I mean? Uh, you, you, you know, you get, you get a guy, he proposes marriage to you, and he says, yeah, I'm going to rough you up before we, you know, do I Because mean, that's how it works. That's Wait, what? <laughs> By the way, that guy proposed to you, run. Okay, you got two options, run or run with your hair on fire, but don't marry him by any, just, that's not right. And our, our bridegroom loves us more than life itself, obviously, and I mean that 
verbatim. He's demonstrated that, has he not? And he's just got good things in store for us. We're talking about all this, and we're talking about scoffers. Is that you? I hope not. Uh, this is those who are on the outside looking in. The day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away in a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. A couple things I want to say about a thief in the night. We've heard that verse before, right? No problem. We're not of the night. You remember in First uh, Thessalonians chapter 4 when it talks about the rapture, and then afterwards it talks about those who sleep, sleep in the night, those who awake, and it's just that whole thing. He says, you're not of the night. I'm going to do it. All right. First Thessalonians chapter 4. I wasn't even going to go on here, but I, I kind of have to now. Philippians. Can't turn pages. I'm getting there. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Uh, verse 16, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Hallelujah. Today, tomorrow, not soon enough to suit me, but in, in the interim, I'm just going to keep on plugging away. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Oh, by the way, it's going to happen at the end of the tribulation after you being chased by a lion, you confront a bear and you get snake bit and days of darkness and read all the, you know, revelation, all the things that, and by the way, it's going to happen to all of you. By the way, comfort one another with these words. And those things aren't things that go together, right? The reason it's comforting is because none of this stuff is going to happen to you. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. But the times and the seasons, brother, you have no reason, uh, need that I write unto you. For you yourselves know perfectly the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Where did we read that before? Well, that's why I'm connecting these dots for us. For when they shall say, they, is it they or you or us? It's they. When they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction shall come upon you. No, shall come upon them. Talking about thief in the night, right? Them. As travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Did we read that in the book of Isaiah? It's like travail of a woman with child. It's like labor pain. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. Back to Second Peter. Now, the same Spirit of God wrote both passages. We understand that, right? You're not. You're not of the. You're not of the night. Uh, I was talking to a guy. You know, a uh, former Marine like myself. I had a Bible study, and we were talking about the same thing. I said, Is, uh, "Are you nerved up about a thief coming and coming to your house at night?" He goes, "Not at all." I said, "You stay awake and worry about them." He says. No, and he went like this, you know, made a little gun out of his hand. He's, you know, he has Roscoe in his drawer, and he's like, yeah, I'll bring him. I ain't, I ain't nerved up at all. Um, because it talks about a preparedness. The problem with the thief in the night is they don't make an appointment. They wait till you're sound asleep. Now, they're going to be having trouble with Suze. They, she's never really sound asleep. She's always got like, she's like the princess in the pea, you know, one pea, like, 30 mattresses away, and she's all, you know, I can't sleep on this. Is like, uh, And she's really, like, not a sound sleeper. Me, I'd, I'd sleep through it. There'd be a shootout. It was down a, a street from us, you know, and my granddaughter called and said, you know, the next day, you okay? And I slept through the whole thing. I mean, there was shots, fight, and everything else. I don't know. 
I, I, I just sleep like, I, I just, I sleep sound, and, but anyway, she'll wake me up if some really bad stuff's happened, don't worry about that, but, uh, but, you know, got someone breaking in our house, she'll definitely be awake, no question about that, and then, of course, you know, we're not really ner- super nerved up about that either, for the same obvious reasons, preparedness, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, but we're not worried about that, it's not going to come as a thief in the night to you. That's what we read in First Thessalonians chapter five. Uh, and but to those, I mean, that he's talking about these scoffers, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Now, people used to mock us. What do you mean, elements melting? What are you ridiculous? And then in the forties, Oppenheimer and and uh, Los Alamos and Einstein and them put together the atom bomb and. When you split the atom, what happens? Uh, great noise and fervent heat <laughs> is what happens. And uh, So what's that all about? Uh, is God just going to let go? I mean, he holds all things together, we're told in Colossians, that him just loosening his grip. You know, you think of things on an atomic level. You've got protons, you've got electrons, you've got neutrons. Well, things of an opposite, but the electrons and the neutrons, they're both negative. How come they don't just... I don't know. God holds all things together, and by His will they consist, or, or literally are held together. Is it Him just letting go? I don't know. I don't know how it's going to work. I'm not a physicist. I will tell you that what's going to happen in the end is great noise, fervent heat. That's why I say, have you ever heard me say, everything we know is earmarked for destruction? I get it from this verse. Everything our hope is in, everything our, what we love, everything that we think is so wonderful, and we, we want to make it permanent. And nothing, there's nothing permanent except souls. Uh, there's nothing permanent except people. You will live forever. It's only a question of your permanent address, your eternal address. But everything that we know, your house and your car and your everything you think is magnificent, your coin collection, everything is wonderful and good and that you love so much, it's all earmarked for destruction. Sorry. <laughs> Yet, amen is the correct answer, by the way. That's the correct answer. And I think if we keep that as, uh, in our focus, it really helps us. The day of the Lord will come as a thief night. Great heaven, uh, great noise, fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? We're not scoffers. We, you know, you know we, we like that which is firm. We need, we need some sort of assurance in life. We need some sort of stability. It's not found in this planet. It's not found in this world. It's not found, you know, I get a bank account, we'll have it like, you know, six figures, not counting decimal points and everything like that. If I get up to seven, now I'm all set. This is wonderful. This is, it's all earmarked for destruction. There's no peace. There's no, there's no, there's nothing you can rely on. There is no firmness. Our God and his mighty name is a strong, mighty tower. The righteous run in it and are safe. Outside of that, what what is the, the very found, the very thing you're standing on is it's all earmarked for destruction. And seeing that all these things shall be dissolved, what, how, how ought we to be looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord? I thought you said, woe to them that say day of the Lord. No, we, we want the day of the Lord to happen only because the prelude to that is Jesus coming for his bride. But we're not looking for the day of the Lord in the sense of you know, bring it, those wicked heathens, they should they get everything coming to them they deserve. Let God worry about that. 
I never think about it in those terms. And besides, I, you like me, um, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. That's um, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, I think, right? Isn't that true of you? You love people. You don't want to see them go to hell. I don't know anyone I want to go to hell. I see some people really confused, and I see some people on the news who really exasperate me. But when I think about them, you know, they're creating the image of God just like me, and they deserve hell as much as I deserve hell. They deserve heaven just like I don't deserve heaven. They deserve heaven to the same degree of, that I don't. And, and But I want them to be saved also. I want them to come to, you know, repentance. Um, God's long-suffering. He's not willing that they should perish. It doesn't seem to uh, me that we should want people to perish as well. But we're, we're, we want the day of the Lord to come. We're hasting under the coming of the day of the Lord. Uh, bad things are going to happen, but good things are going to happen to us, and we want Jesus to come back for us. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Where are we going to be when he recreates? Well, right with him. <laughs> Standing on what? <laughs> Nothing. I think your new body will be okay in no place on nothing. <laughs> it's, it doesn't, your new body, your re- resurrected body, doesn't work like this one does. Say, so won't it be like really cold? I don't know. I don't think there'll be cold. I don't think there'll be heat. I don't think there'll be anything. Everything will have been destroyed, right? And we get to watch him recreate. Have you ever thought of that? You know, when he created the first time, the morning stars sang together. The angels, they broke out in praise. I think we will too. We need our worship leaders. You know, can I think up some new second res- uh, second uh, creation songs? You're going to write some and have them all available. And we'll, we'll worship with you. It'll be a wonderful day. According to his promise, looking for a new heaven, the new earth. You know what the good part about that is? Wherein dwelleth righteousness. All our problems are sin. Say, well, hurricanes and typhoons aren't because we sin. No, because we live in a fallen world that's tainted by sin. You think they had hurricanes and typhoons and tornadoes and earthquakes in Eden, do you? It doesn't seem... I've got to finish up. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, being diligent, that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot and blameless. Found in him. Read here, saved. Peace with God. Without spot and blameless. You better tote the note. You better, you know, straighten up and fly right, mister. No, 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 no. Without spot and blameless means to be in Christ. It means to be saved. It doesn't mean you better smarten up. That an account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. You say, me and Paul, we both agree on this. People think that Paul and Peter are different. No, that's ridiculous. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood. What's hard to be understood about Paul? Oh, I don't know. How about being baptized for the dead? How about like head coverings for women? How about, there's a lot of things Paul says and we're scratching our heads and thinking, oh, thanks Paul, I got to go to church and teach this and I have no idea what you're talking about. Paul, stop. But I, you know the only reason I'm talking about this? Because there's things in Scripture that you don't understand. I know that to be true. There's things in Scripture I don't understand. And I don't understand how much I don't understand. I don't know. It seems like every time I get to a plateau, I think like, how did I get along this long without 
knowing this. It's crazy. How did I not know this? And then there are things I know and I've forgotten. And there's more things to know all the time. And I think like you could take any book in scripture and if you taught about it exhaustively, you, you wouldn't ever leave that one scripture, that one verse practically. That one, I think there's a depth to it that is incredible. I, me, I, I don't know nothing. I mean, I was so very few things. And so the things that's very hard to understand. Um, oh, I don't know. I think it was uh, Mark Twain reading the Bible and say, you believe that? Are you, you understand it all? He's saying, it's not the things I don't understand that bother me. It's the things that I do understand that bother me. And I think good, that's a good way of looking at it. There are hard things to understand, but which they that are unlearned and unstable rest W-R-E-S-T, not R-E-S-T. They wrestle, as they do also the other scriptures, unto their own destruction. There are unlearned and unstable people who take a verse and make it mean whatever they want to. Peter's already said there's no verse as of a private interpretation. There's no prophecy of scripture. Stand alone. You can make it say whatever you want. You can do that with scripture if you're clever enough. And people have, but they're unlearned and they're unstable. It's amazing to me that all the people who really love and know this book, they're all kind of walking in, 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 not in lockstep, but they all agree with all the major things. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. Can you have it right? Can you think right? Can you live right and then fall away? Yeah, you can. It says so right here. Are we talking about losing your salvation? I didn't say the verse and say that verbatim, but I don't want to explore how far I can get, how much I can get away with and still be saved. I want to explore how close I can get to God. And I don't want to be a, a, a last day scoffer. How would you like that, you know? Oh, we got to pray for Adam. He's out there with the heathen, with the wicked, mocking the Bible. No, I don't think I want that. But rather, verse 18, we'll end here. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. How much can I get away with? How much can I pray? How close can I get to the Lord? How intimate can I get with Him? How, how, how much of His glory will He reveal to me? How much, how much can I love Him more and more? Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he ends with this benediction. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Why don't you guys stand? The uh, worship guy is going to come and going to lead us out of here in song. We'll pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it means to us. We thank you for, we don't want to be ignoring things. We don't want to be scoffers. And we, you know, seeing these things are going to be, what manner of men ought we to be? Well, Spirit of God, work that out in our lives and in our hearts. And we want to be different having, you know, been to a Bible study like this. Now may the Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee 
and give thee peace. Amen.